the higher the consciousness is, the more long-term the decisions are that we're going to make, the more intentionality you bring to the table and, and the more you're going to see, like, we have one planet, like, we need to be able to take care of, we need to become stewards of what we have here. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have an extraordinarily cool guest to share with you today. His name is Yannick Silver, and he's been called a cosmic catalyst, a maverick mischief maker, and a galactic goofball. He redefines how business is played in the 21st century at the intersection of evolutionary growth, impact, and fun. Yannick is the creator of The Cosmic Journal, author of Evolved Enterprise, and the founder of Maverick 1000, a global collective of visionary entrepreneurs making a serious difference in the world without taking themselves too seriously. In fact, it's not unusual to find him dressed as a lemur, a showgirl, or even in matching mermaid tails with Sir Richard Branson. And we're definitely going to have to talk about that. Yannick believes that we all have our own cosmic alarm clock that goes off exactly at the right time to fulfill our destiny of greatness. Yannick, I know we're going to have a great discussion. Welcome to The Daily Helping. It is fantastic to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm super excited. Thanks, Dr. Richard. Oh my goodness. So there's so many things that we can talk about. As you know, I really love to peel back the onion and find out how people got started on the journey that they're on. So let's talk about that. How did you become a lemur dressing <laughs> maverick and, and, and yet such an influential in the business space? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. I'm not 100% sure. I feel like I've lived uh, five different lives, not even different, but but all sorts of categories of things going on. And it's got to go back to my parents because they came over from Russia when I was three years old and came over $256 in their pockets for me, my mom, my grandmother, and my dad ended up uh, starting his own business about six months into that process where he got he, he got fired from the hospital he worked at. He actually had an ultimatum because he was doing some moonlighting on the side, repairing medical equipment for private doctor's practices. And he did what a lot of us as entrepreneurs do is taking that road less traveled and, and that risky uh, way of going out on their own. And that really made all the difference. I mean, I grew up in that kind of environment. So at 14 years old, it was probably against child labor laws, but I was telemarketing at 16. The only way I got a car was my dad's like, oh, Mr. Yanda, go make some sales. And literally I was out on the road cold calling doctors. And that really, really sucked, <laughs> which then uh, turned into uh, me learning all I possibly could about direct response marketing. And uh, one of my doctor clients actually gave me a Jay Abraham tape and it kind of like turned the lights on for me. I'm like, oh, wow, people could actually, you know, I don't have to talk to people anymore and they could be really interested. And I only talk to the ones that are like actually interested in buying medical equipment. And it changed my dad's business from like a little regional player to a national player. And then it kind of grew from there where other doctors wanted me to help them. 
And then the internet started coming online and, and that was sort of my next journey. And, and then beyond that, we'll talk about. What age were you when you got the Jay Abraham tape? 17 or 18. And then it turned into Earl Nightingale and Dan Kennedy. And, and literally, like, so I played, uh, I played ice hockey growing up. We were, you and I were just talking about that a little bit. And, and so my hockey buddies would get in the car. So we'd, we'd have long road trips. And they'd be like, what the hell are these tapes? <laughs> and, and I'm like, don't worry, you're not going to like them. And, you know, Earl Nightingale, anything to do with personal development. I was probably one of Earl uh, Nightingale Conan's best customers at 18, 19, 20. It was, it was pretty fascinating. And my, my uh, BS is in marketing and from undergrad. But I, I'd be asking some of my professors, hey, do you know, you know any of these other you know, marketing people? They're like, no, no. It just, you know, it was just a completely different world. And, but I loved it. Like, and I would go back and back and back into history and time and find the people at the turn of the century that were, you know, the, the, these amazing copywriters and mail order uh, people, because it took this incredible amount of effort to get people to take action. And if they could do it, then what could I learn by applying it to what I was doing at that point later on online? And I literally woke up with this idea at three o'clock in the morning for something called instant sales letters. And then that turned into my first million dollar product. And people are like, oh, how did you do that? Can you help me do that? Which then turned into a whole nother career of helping people take their knowledge information and, and sell it online. And then about 12 years ago, I asked a really simple question, which is, am I happy? Would I be happy doing what I'm doing 10 years from now? And on the outside, everything looked great. And, and I was really honest in my journal. I wrote you know, that, that I wasn't. And that turned into this whole other journey, which is the most... I don't know, kind of meandering, interesting, evolutionary spiritual growth in the last 10, 12 years, which was this Maverick group of, of this combination of growth, impact, and fun. And that's what I really want to spend some time talking about. And certainly, it does appear that in the corporate space, there's been a sea change over, say, the last 15, 20 years, where you're seeing, you know, and Bob Berg's Go-Giver is a great example of this, but you've seen a, a shift, a paradigm shift in business moving towards more cause-based purpose. Their mission statements and their vision statements talk about that, but very few of them talk about fun. So, that we, you know, the impact is not a, a surprising thing, but you're talking about, you know, fun and impact. So let's spend some time there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think there has been, I call it the seismic shift, you know, in evolved enterprise, I talk about some really interesting data going on where consumer buying behavior is changing, where, where customers want to buy from companies that have a greater purpose and mission to what they do. And it has to be authentic. It has to be real. And they're willing to change brands or even pay more for certain brands that, you know, it's basically they're voting with their wallets. And then it's happening inside out, which is team members want to work for companies in that same way that are, that are doing something meaningful. And at the same time, so, you know, there's three interconnected circles, which I have since learned is called the Venn diagram. But originally when I started, it was a, a dollar sign, a happy face and a heart. So it's about make more, give more, uh, have more fun. And then uh, realized that what we really wanted to do was help with evolutionary growth and, and help entrepreneurs, especially become the greatest version of who they could be, which is then going to align their head, their heart, their higher purpose. And that turned into a tree. So a tree, dollars. A tree, happy face, and a heart. So growth, impact, and fun. And I think they're all interconnected. So the more fun you're having, you're actually going to have an opportunity to, to make more. And the more you're making, the more fun you can have, the more impact you can have. So they're really interconnected in this way. And so I have this, um, I think about 
kind of like these new rules for New World. And the very first rule that I wrote is says rule number one: play fully. And I'll I'll put a drawing of this inside the uh, the notes for you if you want for for the listeners. But play fully is like play, but also fully. Like what's the fullest expression of who you are? So it's not just like, oh, you know, we're going to hang out and, and be little kids, which is also incredibly fun and, and enjoyable and, and leads to so much, you know, creativity and innovation and so forth. But play fully is like feeling fully utilized of your full self that you could do that all day, every day, and you get more energy out of it. And then rule number two is see rule number one. And then the byproduct is purposefully and profitfully. So I'll throw it up right here so you can you can see it real fast, but it's... uh. This is the, you know, the stuff that I, I just love. And, and for those of you in the car, we're going to have all of these, all of these graphics on the, uh, and drawings in the show notes. But this is cool. But, but I think that right now we're in this time where we can create <laughs> new rules, uh, a new story and, and new language. And, and so these new rules, you know, I, I saw this video that, uh, that's one that I follow posted on Twitter. Her name's Arlen Hamilton. And she's a really interesting venture capitalist who funds underrepresented companies. And I had you know, an interview with her and it's really, really intriguing what she's been able to do. But she posted this, this experiment that was going on where a, I'm sure a psychologist, maybe one of your colleagues had a, a game of Monopoly going. And what they did is arbitrarily gave one person double the money that the next person had. And, and then what happened was as the game progressed, that person got more boisterous, more aggressive, more annoying, you know, like popping their, their, their piece on the table really hard, really hard, (laughs) way more aggressive. And, 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 you know, her point was like, okay, we need, you know, there's this disparity going on and, and there is, however, the rules of monopoly are you want to bankrupt your other players. So it's like the rules, if the rules are, how do we cooperate together? How do we co-create together? How do we, how do we do something that feels like play together? Is that our highest essence? You know, I could be working on, I, I should do this mind map that I was working on at three o'clock in the morning last night. That is my highest essence of like, how do we use the leverage of business to make a greater difference in the world? Like I can do that all day, every day. And I love that. And that to me is play. So that's this new rules that we could have. And then if we have new rules, we also start creating new language. And language is so important to me because I started as a copywriter. So when you start talking about, you know, evolved enterprise, a lot of people are like, oh, that's giving back. And, and it's not giving back because it's, you know, that language again, and it means that you've taken something and now you're giving it back, but, but how do we give forward? Like I was consulting with someone uh, yesterday and we we're talking about his give forward forever fund that he wants to create for scholarships. And it's like a completely different kind of language than, than giving back and giving back implies guilt that we've taken something. And then this new story is how do we step into this new story of, of where this new world is, is happening? Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you. And I can't wait to see where you'll go.
couple thoughts. One, it seems like you really get a lot of work done at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but two, I love, I love the shift of the use of language, you know, the use of leverage of a business to make the impact have fun. And I presume by proxy, if your employees are excited about the work that they're doing, they feel a sense of purpose, they're having fun, then you've got happy, healthier employees. And I would presume revenue is higher as well, uh, which is certainly a good thing. So, 100%. Yeah, it's not it's not an expense. It's not, you know, that you're not sacrificing by, by means of, of another one. Like it's it's good for everyone. Certainly, uh, man, no one has ever said or differentiated giving back from giving forward. And I had never conceptualized giving back as having a you know negative connotation until you just framed it that way. But giving forward has such a more powerful resonance to it. So thank you for that. I love yeah, that. I mean, I even talk about it as, as impact. Um, I like I like that or like ripples of impact. I like even more. That's so great. So there's something from our, <laughs> and we're going to get to the mermaids and the lemurs and all that stuff because <laughs> we have to. I would be a, a terrible host if I yes. didn't ask you about that. But one of the things that we teased in your intro was the cosmic alarm clock. And I want to spend some time there because that's such an interesting concept. So share with us how you know, that you came to that. I presume it was at three in the morning. And um, <laughs> let's talk about that because I think that's a really great concept. Yeah, I think you have multiple ones. And that one that you know was most prominent for me was that 12 some years ago when outside looking in had you know everything, making quite a bit of money online, helping a lot of people. There, there wasn't a conference or an event or anywhere I would attend where someone wasn't like, Yannick, you don't know me, but you changed my life. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like helping people, I don't know, like take guitar lessons and put it online or take whatever. Like I remember one kid actually drove up six hours to come see me for coffee. And he was selling people how to take a, an engine out of a Honda Accord and move it into a Honda Civic. And his mom thought he was dealing drugs in his dorm because he was making like $100,000 a year doing that. And so, but for that cosmic alarm clock kind of is like this little whisper of, of that there, there's something more. And it's, it's also really fascinating where I was at that point, because most people believe, okay, once you're successful, you've got it made and, and everything's kind of all set. But the, but the truth was I had to make a, a gigantic leap and the stuff that was working before wasn't working. So I had seven or eight different projects that all hit seven figures. And then this, you know, this notion of like, okay, how would I be happy? And so I spent a lot of time in my journal. So I journal every single night for the most part. And I think it's one of the most foundational success principles you can apply. And so in my journal, I created those three interconnected circles I mentioned. And that became the start of something called Maverick Business Adventures, where I'd be like, okay, what would be, how'd I be happiest? I'm going to take some of my friends who are other awesome entrepreneurs. We'd go off on adventures. We'd have business sessions in the middle of nowhere, and we'd have some sort of charity element, which, you know, all those things sound amazing. So uh, I, I put on a Baja Doom Buggy event, and I always like sticking the stake in the ground first and then, you know, making it happen. And so I signed the contract, made it real, and we had 26 some people there and ended up losing about $40,000. I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. It's 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 an investment. It's a different kind of company. And then at about four hundred thousand dollars in, my wife's like, um, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, but but there's something here. And so the other, so it, it really forced me 
to, to there's like kind of two paths at that point. Like I could have easily gone back to what I was doing in the digital marketing space, but my passion for that was continuing to wane. It just didn't feel like that was my ultimate destination of how I can make a greater difference. And it was really hard because I was helping a lot of people. Like it wasn't like, you know, I'm, it was a terrible quote unquote job or, or something I was doing. Like I hated it every moment. I, I did enjoy many parts of it, but it wasn't, it wasn't the full ex- expression of who I could be. So at that point, maybe even like another cosmic alarm clock where it's like, okay, you know, what, what do you, what do you want to do? And, and so I use, again, my journal and I asked the question, which was, what would my 111 year old self tell me? Hmm. And, and this was a question I kind of cribbed from a guy named Brian Johnson, from philosopher's notes. And he actually grabbed it from, uh, from another guy that, that taught the, the highest rated class on happiness, I think at Harvard, I can't remember his name now, but he would ask like, what would your 110 year old self do? But I like number alliteration. So I'm like, yeah, 111. But then I use my left hand, my non-dominant hand to answer, uh, which is a really powerful technique. And so the answer was light a thousand suns. We can each light another thousand suns. I'm like, Ooh, that's really interesting. And literally changed everything. We We went from Maverick business adventures to Maverick 1000, this idea to become this global network of entrepreneurs and how one entrepreneur can change the world, but a thousand can really, or sorry, one can change the industry, but a thousand can change the world. And everything is more about this evolutionary growth as well. And it just changed everything. Plus we had a deeper reason why, like my why wasn't to build an adventure travel company. Like that wasn't the real big reason. It was to change the way business is played. And then this, this really forced us into that. And then we went, we changed, we had like an 800 some percent change in what we were doing because we also aligned with all these principles that then later became the evolved enterprise. So it's like all these amazing people that I had met along that journey, some very well-known, some not so well-known, but had pieces of this puzzle that, that stopped us from almost going bankrupt there. I love this story. And it, it certainly is, was an evolutionary exploration. So if somebody's listening to us talking right now and they're like, God, I would love to hear my cosmic alarm clock tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. What are some pointers you could give people that, you know, I mean, the the journaling was a great example. Let's talk about some things that people can do to really kind of get in touch with what they're, you know, meant to do and how how to kind of spark that. So I think your questions really dictate your answers, right? So as I mentioned, that very first million dollar product was a three o'clock in the morning wake up call. And, and, and that, you know, as you meant, you know, as you said, you can either hit snooze on your alarm clock or, or you can answer it. And, and by hitting snooze, you kind of like your soul dies a little bit every single day. And so I think the questions kind of prime the pump for it. And so that question, that way back question for instant sales letters was, how do I create a fully automatic website that makes me money while I sleep and is an incredible value to people? That's where, you know, I had that answer. So, but the other questions are kind of a little deeper, like that one, you know, am I happy? Would I be happy doing what I'm doing 10 years from now? That starts the conversation going. And then don't be content with the first answer. Like, so if you're writing in, in a journal or a notepad or whatever, you're going to write one to 20 answers. And it's number 17, 18, 19, and 20 that are probably going to be the more profound, more interesting answers. And then even try using your non-dominant hand. And this is a really powerful process that actually connects your whole brain and, and allows you to tap into deeper wisdom. The other thing you know, during this sort of sideways process, Grainier Brown's book, Darren Greatly, she has an interesting question in there that, that I kind of paraphrase, which was something like, what would you do even if it would fail? Which is a huge question because a lot of us have, been, have heard the question of, okay, if you couldn't fail, what would you do? Or if you had six months to live, what would you do? 
And that does start opening it up. But this idea of what would you do even if it would quote unquote fail? And and I don't I don't believe in failure. I believe in, you know, you're getting you're getting lessons, you're getting feedback, you're getting, you know, everything turns into something that could be recycled and something else. But what that really does, um, so as I said, that the last 10, 12 years have really been the spiritual journey. So I'd go back to like texts like the Bhagavad Gita, and there's a great book called The Great Work of Your Life that takes people's lives, like let's say Nelson Mandela and and uh, Susan B. Anthony and Harriet Tubman, and then a few like unknown people. And then when you find your Dharma, which is your true path, which shows how they're able to really grow into that. And one of the key concepts in the Gita is that you're only entitled to your uh, your labor. So basically, if you put your whole heart and soul into something, that's your reward, not the fruit of your labor. And so many of us are associated with, okay, how many likes do we have how many what you know what are the sales for this project where the and and it's it's really about what is your full heart and soul and so that question disattaches you know what is the outcome so what would i do even if i even if it would fail and and so that's a really really powerful one you know another one i love is if i had a 10 a check for 10 million dollars what would i what would stay the same and what would be different uh 10 million is probably like a good number that most of us would be like okay i can I can feel really, really financially secure and free. And I have inside the Cosmic Journal, I call it 10 million infinite dollars. And I have this other concept that I really like where it's like, imagine that the day you were born, you have a, a bank account. It's this universal bank account that's drawn on. That's 10 million infinite dollars and it keeps re- replenishing. But it's only when you're doing something that you're absolutely uh, born to do or destined to do. I love that. And, and you know, we've teased it a little bit. Uh, you've talked about the power of journaling. Let's talk about the Cosmic Journal specifically. What was your impetus for creating that and, and what makes it unique? <laughs> well, for people that, that don't see the visuals, we'll, we'll put some in here. But but for every single night, for 108 nights, I drew a hand-drawn uh, illustrated page in a, in a journal. And it was just like this this art challenge that I saw going around. I'm like, oh, this seems really awesome and hard and difficult because I'm traveling a lot, but I'm like, no, I'm going to commit to it. I love, I love experiments. You know, Dr. Richard, like I love these ideas of like, okay, what if I add meditation to my life or I, I like 33 days because it's more than a month and a very specific number. And it's like, okay, let's see what happens or, or no sugar or no alcohol and see, you know, do I want to add it? Do I want to, do I want to keep it or, or no? But like you have a very set date. So this was a, a bigger experiment. So 108 nights or eight days. And then I have a little checkbox and every single day, it could be two o'clock in the morning, one o'clock, it could be you know earlier, but I'd meditate and see what came through me. Or it'd be like going back through years of journals and stuff that I wanted to remember for myself. And I, and I really just wrote this for myself. But when I hand it to people now, I call it the galactic instruction manual you were missing when you were born to re-remember your destiny here. And I kept showing it to a few people as it got, you know, bigger and bigger. And when it kind of finally got completed, I would just flip it open and use it like an Oracle. I'm like, all right, what do I need to know today? And, and, and that's the way it worked. And then I showed it to one of my friends. He's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to pay you to actually publish, you know, the, this, uh, whatever you want uh, of this thing. And so we published this vegan leather, cool version, this purple covered version. And then I got a meeting with Hay House and Hay House is, you know, one of the biggest publishers of transformational works out there. And and Reed Tracy, the president's like, I've never seen anything like this. And they fast forwarded a contract and then also created a, a deck of Oracle cards. So, you know, just an amazing way of, again, like not being attached to outcome, 
being completely in flow. Like for me, that was the true, like putting my heart and soul into something every single night for 108 nights without saying, okay, what, how, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to monetize it? What am I going to turn it into? What is, and it was just a project for myself, which is really just getting going. And it's, it's fabulous to see where it is right now. Love that. And the coolest part about that is there were zero expectations, zero defined milestones, deliverables, anything like that. You just went with the flow and you know, what was meant to happen, happened. And I Yeah, but I, not just in the flow of like, <laughs> oh, when I felt like doing it. So I, I think that there's also some magic that happens by being prolific, right? So at day 60 or 70, my art was a lot better than at day one. And, and what was coming through me. So, so I think there's also putting in the reps and, and doing that kind of work because it's really, really going to help you. So a lot of people are like, oh, I want to write or I want to do this. Great. But that means putting your butt in the chair and, and doing, the, doing the work and you know, giving yourself that, you know, maybe that's that, that experiment that you want to try. Maybe that's you know, what you want to do for 33 days and say, okay, I want to write 500 words or 200 words or whatever it is. And you know, it could be anything, but putting in that, that kind of uh, effort and, but making it joyful, like that check mark that I gave myself was my favorite. I don't have the actual journal here. I could, I could show it to you, but that check mark that I would do was my favorite part of the day. Like I felt so accomplished. And then when you keep agreements with yourself, you know, everything just grows from there. I love that. Yeah. You know, I, I once heard Hal Elrod say, you know, there's, it's not really a law of attraction. It's a law of action and attraction. And you, you just, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I use that a lot because it's absolutely true. And yeah. so, well, I think that I love this roomy quote that, you know, what, what you're seeking is seeking you or something like that. And, but you have to make a move towards it, right? Like, like you can't just sit there and only embrace this idea of like, I'm going to meditate in and something's going to show up for me, which maybe it can, you know, if you're more of a, uh, an enlightened individual, then, then maybe like, you know, I've heard stories of, great gurus where they could literally imagine something and in their hands comes the object, which I would be amazed to see. And I I do think is possible. However, you know, I I think that there's this opportunity where we take, it doesn't even have to be like, you know, the full 50% forward. Like I think it's a few steps forward. And then all of a sudden these hidden allies and resources. And, um, you know, there's a Joseph Campbell quote that where, uh, where there's once only a wall, uh, doors will appear when, when you follow your bliss. And, and bliss is also like one of these misunderstood topics where people are, you know, kind of like fun and, and play where, where it's like, okay, bliss, I'm just gonna, I don't know, eat ice cream cones, eat pizza, that, <laughs> I'm following my bliss. But bliss is feeling fully utilized, like doing what you were meant to be doing and, and maybe even, you know, what you would fail at or regardless. So but stuff that just opens up like magic. Beautifully said. I've talked to so many entrepreneurs who have done what you just said, really, you know, in their heart, followed what they think they're supposed to do, what they're meant to do, what's incredibly fun for them, fun being an understatement. And then magically, these relationships appear and these things pop into their lives that are right on time, exactly what they needed. So that's uh, awesome. So, you know, this idea of, of, of helping others. I love randomly doing things like that. And so one time we did a, a family event for Maverick families and, and teaching kids about business and so forth. And then one of the activities we had was a scavenger hunt. And one of the, the actions was find a random person and provide them a note about you know, something you really appreciate about them. 
and then have your entire team do that. But they have to wait at least a minute in between handing them the note. So all of a sudden, it's like this gratitude bomb that shows up on, on one person and, and the reactions are amazing. So, you know, if you ever do that or, or instigate that with your friends or family, it is incredibly worthwhile to see this person. You know, at first they're like, oh, and they read the note. They're like, oh, that's really nice. And then a minute later, they get this other note. They're like, oh. And then like, you know, they get five or six of them and, and they're just blown away. And, and it just, you know, we're, we're just wired as humans to the more we give like that, the more we're, we're excited, the more grateful we feel and, and the more alive we feel. So it, it's just a, a fun way of, of incorporating it. Amen. I love it. I love it. I feel like now's a really good time to ask about the lemurs and the mermaid tails. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, the way that that showed up in a magical way, too, I'll, I'll kind of start at the beginning. So, uh, you know, Richard Branson had, uh, you know, has been my one of my biggest business heroes uh, because I love the way he lives his life, the way he has, uh, you know, 300, 400 some companies, not owners necessarily. Actually, if you study some of their models, a lot of it is licensing, which I also love because I think it's one of the best interesting licensing models. The way he says yes to life, his adventurous spirit, the way he brings global leaders together to make a difference. And, and so I wrote, I, I had created a long time ago, this ultimate life list. And on this ultimate life list is like, you know, stuff that I wanted to do or be or have or whatever. You know, my goal setting is a little bit different now, but it, like one of the things was have lunch with Richard Branson. And I'm like, that would be really, really cool. And one of my buddies called me up, uh, Scott Joe Polish. Uh, and he's like, hey, you want to go to Necker Island, Richard's Island? And I'm like, yeah, sounds good. And it was a pretty extreme, extravagant amount of money. And, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm in. And so I paid to go there, you know, had, had the lunch with Richard and so forth. And then uh, Joe and I are talking and he's like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to fill it again next year or do it again. I'm like, well, why don't you and I just split it? So I'll bring half the people, you bring half the people. And so that turned into, you know, me probably having 40 or 50 lunches with Richard. And then for the last couple of years, we've been running it alone with our, our Maverick group. Uh, because we have this really deep, I think, values connection with Richard and, and the team at, at Virgin Unite, which is all about how business can make a, a difference and, and be a force for good is, is their way that they talk about things. And so we also don't take ourselves too seriously, and but continue working on serious issues. And so, you know, there'd be times, you know, he's the ultimate prankster, actually, but he doesn't, he doesn't love pranks on him necessarily, but he does like to be part of things. So you know, for one of our sessions, we always have a key challenge that we bring to the group. So I love bringing awesome entrepreneurs together and using their brain power and talents and network and resources. And so for the session that we're leading, we're like, it'd be pretty funny if we all just got in lemur outfits. And then when Richard showed up that we were just, you know, like pretending like nothing's happening. <laughs> and, and, you know, we're working on, I, I don't even remember, maybe something for ocean conservation or no, probably something else. But so we were just in lemur outfits and, and, and Richard, you know, comes over and he's like, and, and one of the, the women from the Virginia night team goes, here you go, Richard, here's your lemur outfit. And he's like, oh, okay. And he just puts it on and, and like, you know, like, like it's no big deal. And then I don't know, a year or two years after when we came back, we've been there 11 times now and we were doing an ocean event there. And so my team brought over mermaid tails while we're doing our, our somewhat serious Q and A, uh, and and so he looks at it. He's like, oh, "Okay," and he puts on his his mermaid tail, and I put on mine. And then he's like, "He's like, he's like, come on, Yannick, you know." And, and he's like, "Take off your shirt." I mean, we're, if we're doing it, we're doing it for real. And and so he's always up for uh, you know having some fun like that. 
So great. I, I love it. You know, I, I love the stories. Uh, you and I were, were chatting a bit about you know, this, this really being a transformational period, the 2020s. And of course, COVID came and, and the world has been radically transformed. Why is this so important? Why is you know, what, what you're talking about now so hugely important at this time in the world? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, so I, I have a, a report out on, on the 20 predictions for the 2020s or for the transformative 2020s. I really believe this decade is the most transformative decade that, that we're going to see in, in quite a while. And, and there's actually some fascinating stuff. You know, I, I love studying uh, different ancient cultures and, and, and things like that, where, where there's actually, you know, predictions from many cultures talking about how, like one of my, the ones that I really resonate with is this idea of like the golden age, silver age, bronze age, iron age, and then it comes back around. So iron, bronze, and, and silver and, and gold. And so they were talking about these different levels of consciousness, really. And we're in a period of ascending consciousness, but also this massively disruptive period. And I look at this time as I think one of the biggest catalysts for consciousness and people really saying, you know, maybe their cosmic alarm clock's going off and saying, okay, what is, what is mine to do here? And I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, especially successful ones, where they're asking the question, now what? And, and really, this can be anyone, right? But they can be asking, like, this is, like, everyone is needed in this time to say, okay, now what? what how do I connect my head, my heart, my higher purpose? My head is my business side, and my heart is the impact I want to make, and the higher purpose is, why am I here? Like what's, what's the real reason? And there's more opportunity than ever to show up as your true self, as your ultimately weird self, which by the way, I love uh, origins of words uh, and weird actually from middle English means something like path of destiny. Uh, so w- Does it really? How interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it's been, it's been given a bad rap, but weird is like, you know, put out your full weirdness and, and put out your full heart. And there's so many ways now of making that difference that, doesn't require you to be like, okay, well, I do this thing that I really care about versus this is the thing that makes me, you know, that, that, that pays me. And, and so there's, there's so many ways of integrating our lives right now and, and just being open to how do we show up to nudge consciousness? How do we show up for what the universe is calling us to do? And that's, you know, that's, that's the only thing that I really think about. Like, how do we use the leverage of business to, uh, to nudge consciousness? Because ultimately, that the higher the consciousness is, the more long-term the decisions are that we're going to make, the more intentionality you bring to the table. And, and the more you're going to see, like, we have one planet, like, we need to be able to take care of, we need to become stewards of what we have here. Love that. You've given us so many awesome pearls of wisdom today. And the, the time has flown by, but so we are at the end. And as you know, I ask every guest to, to way to wrap up the show, their biggest helping that one single most important piece of information for somebody listening to this to walk away with after hearing our conversation today. I like, and I'm going to, I'll share this one with, with you, Dr. Richard, too, that you can put up in the show notes is this labyrinth drawing. And, uh, and, and maybe, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll read it because I think it's such a, a beautiful expression of, of where so many people find themselves. All right. So this is one that, that I drew again, probably at two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning. And I spent a lot of time drawing this labyrinth. And originally it was just going to, inside the labyrinth, it was just going to say, you don't need to see the full path, just the next step, dot, dot, dot. And then I looked at it. I'm like, intuitively, I feel like I can, 
I can keep going, but there's a lot of risk to messing up this drawing now because, uh, but I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to go with it. So I wrote, you don't need to see the full path, just the next step and the next one. And the next one will open to you. Each step moves you closer to your center, even if you feel upside down and turn around. And at this point, you're turned around in the labyrinth, actually, so all the words match up. Maybe you feel like you're walking in circles further away from your goal. Keep moving, keep going. One step, one step forward, one step onwards until you see the next turn, the next twist in the road. The closer you get, you will be tested at the threshold. It's all within sight until you shift again. This time, you come home again to yourself fully. So, you know, that to me is, is probably the best advice I can give is, is that just taking that one next step and you're going to see that next step and the next step, like you don't, everyone wants to see the, you know, how to get from point A to point Z. They, they really discount like what happens when you move to point A1 and A2 uh, and, and things will open up for you. And then also if things don't open up in the way that you thought you wanted them to, it's actually, it probably worked out for the better for you. So this labyrinth is a really great example of that. I love that. And, and again, we're going to have these really cool illustrations at the show notes. So you can all see the, this brilliant art that Yannick has created. But man, Yannick, this was a lot of fun today. Insightful, deep, and really, really cool. Uh, thank you so much for coming on The Daily Helping. It was great having you. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Richard. That was awesome. And I know you've got a number of domains where people can get to all your stuff. Just want to read those out here now. Cosmicjournal.com, which is what we've been talking about, and YannickSilver.com. And actually, if you go to YannickSilver.com forward slash 20 predictions, you've got those 20 predictions for the transformative 2020s, which which we've been talking about. And I'll have all that link for everybody in the show notes. But it's been awesome having you. And I want to thank each and every one of you as well who tuned into this episode. If you like what you heard, give us a subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 